So I'm um, very glad to, to welcome you here. And I'd first of all like to thank um, Arts Council England for supporting the festival and um, continuing to support us through these very difficult times. Really, we couldn't do without them. So it's very much appreciated. Um, I would also um, really uh, like to thank the sponsors of this event, uh, Viv R. Scott and uh, BRM. Um, we're really grateful for our sponsors. Um, uh, it's just such a lovely thing to have that uh, support for particular events as well, actually. It's really, really lovely. So thank you very much for that. Um, so today, uh, some, some, I'm very sorry to say that for personal reasons, Joe Clement is unable to appear today. So... When it became clear that Neil Astley would be making a welcome return to Ledbury Poetry Festival after what has felt like a very long absence, um, Neil is um, the publisher of uh, the editor, publisher, editor, founder of um, the utterly brilliant Blood Axe books. And um, he had um, published um, both Joe Clement and Sarah Wimbush's first collections, which um, are. Uh, we're hearing from today. Um, so it just felt like a perfect opportunity to bring him onto the stage um, to host uh, this event, um, because obviously he's really uh, behind two of these collections. And so we'll be able to hear some of Joe's poems uh, read by her fellow poets. And Neil, as her editor, will also be able to reference Joe's poems in the conversation, uh, which means we can celebrate her work as best we can despite our disappointment at not being able to welcome um, Joe Clement in person. So therefore, it is with great pleasure that I hand over to Neil Astley to introduce our poets today. So, Rain Gagan, um, UK-born poet, writer and playwright of Romany descent, with a collection forthcoming, The Talking Stick of Pukring Gosh, and other books, uh, including uh, Apple Water and others that you'll find on the bookstall at the back. And then we have Sarah Wimbush, whose poetry is rooted in Yorkshire, tales of childhood, colliery villages, gypsies and travellers. And her collection is Shelling Peas with my grandmother in the Gorgio Lands, which is, I published it in May at the same time as Joe Clement's book, which is outlandish. Now, Joe Clement's also the editor of the Butcher's Dog magazine, and she edited um, an anthology, Wagtail, the Roma Women's Poetry Anthology. And... If Joe had been here, she would have been talking about that anthology, which it includes both the poets that are here. And in a way, what she would be saying and what she did in editing this anthology um, would, act, would have acted as a, as a kind of frame for the readings and discussion at the end. So what I'd like to do uh, to start off with is to read a few paragraphs from her introduction, which sets out the stall of the magazine and also give some background to the whole notion of GRT um, poetry um, in this country. So I'll start off with that. And then our two poets will be interweaving readings and they'll also be reading some of Joe Clement's poems. And at the end, we'll have a discussion arising from that and we'll invite you to contribute. So just to kick off with some of what Joe Clement has to say in this book, which unfortunately, because she isn't here, she was going to bring the copies with her, so we don't have it here, but it is readily available from the Butcher's Dog website, so do order it. The Roma Women's Poetry Anthology began from the dismay 
I embodied in response to historic and ongoing failures by the publishing industry to fairly represent Roma women, to bring our resolute words, our remarkable voices into print. I'm fortunate to have a strong network of women who have emboldened me to generate more work, to take up more space and resist homogenization. This publication is indebted to those women and to the European Roma Institute for Arts and Culture, to whom I extend enormous thanks and respect. The funding and support for both this anthology and the series of digital poetry workshops, which our poets here were involved in, um, conferred a new kind of power onto many culturally subdued Roma women. It generated a safe social space to stimulate and nurture creative work informed and inspired by our identity, culture, history, and heritage. On the subject of safe spaces, activism itself must be wholly inclusive, lest it becomes another form of impression, oppression. Uh, in this spirit, the call for Roma women poets welcomed our fluid, non-binary and transgender friends alike. Questions poured in from applicants. I'm half Roma, can I participate? Others were concerned. My English is not good, I've never written a poem. Most demonstrated what I've come to recognize as conventional tentativeness within our community. I have Roma heritage, please can I join in? Every applicant was accepted. There were no blood tests or judgments. Um, together we had a desire to speak out, to, to scream, to sing like wagtails, birds in and of the margins, hence the name of the anthology, Wagtail. And there's a personal line which she also includes about that. Wagtails are birds of the margins. They nest in geographic edges, waysides and waterways and seek shelter in gaps between the stone walls. They often dash across transitional spaces such as car parks and busy cobbled courtyards. Spotting pied wagtails has been a joy forever since my granddad Jack told me that their presence meant our people, gypsies, were near. The first time we saw one together, I was seven years old, eating an ice lolly at a service station on the way to Appleby Horse Fair. A tiny black and white bird sprinted over the concrete as if its life depended on it, paused to wag its long tail and then off it went again. Whenever a wagtail races by, I find myself suddenly perched on his knee again. Reality somehow blurs. I'm wearing his straw hat and his shovel white hand cuts through the scene pointing. See that bird, Joanne Louise? That's us. And interesting, when I stopped to fill up the petrol on my way, there was a wagtail running across the forecourt, which was rather lovely. Um, and as I say, Jo's introduction is all about the inclusiveness. Um, she's very much a poet who embraces her Roma ethnicity. Other poets don't have that same direct relationship with the Roma community in relation to their upbringing, which may be more sort of uh, something of, of heritage, but in Jo's case, it's very much one of ethnicity. So that's something that might come in later in our discussion. Um, so I'd like to start off by inviting Sarah and Rain to read us some poems from their books and some of Joe's poems too. Thank you. I'm going to stand up. Um, so thank you, Neil. It's wonderful to be published with Blood Axe, uh, such a thrill. And wonderful to be here at Ledbury today reading. Um, I was going to start off with a poem about the minor strike because my book is a book of two halves, my Gypsy Roma tra traveller heritage and ethnicity, and then growing up in Doncaster, my family, my community, 
uh, coal mining heritage. Um, but I couldn't resist reading this poem because one of the sponsors of this event, uh, his initials are Brum, so I thought I would read this poem, which is one of my favourites. So it's, it's, um, it's about my first car, not my car, it's my dad's. Everybody remembers their first car. I learned to drive in a metallic blue Ford Capri. I learned to drive in a metallic blue Ford Capri. Mark One, J Reg, high mileage, black leatherette upholstery. I learned to drive in a metallic blue Ford Capri. Gloves in the glove compartment, dog on the parcel shelf, five gears, two doors, four seats, ruptured exhaust gaskets, so them in the back suffered headaches and breathing difficulties. I learned to drive in a metallic blue Ford Capri, bit like Bodie and Doyle or Starsky and Hutch even, rectangular headlamps, suitcase, boot, 20 to the gallon, vinyl roof, bucket seats. I learned to drive in a metallic blue Ford Capri and dad said, if you can park that lass, you can park anything. <laughs> And I can. <laughs> I learned to drive at 16 on a derelict runway, revs that screamed kangaroo hops, nine point turns, dad's knuckles tighter than wheel nuts, as he said. You can go faster if you like, love. <laughs> and I did. Once in poor judgment and fading light, I took out a lamppost. <laughs> so we fixed her. Together, wet and dry, the express masking tape, body filler, mud to him and me. Then a gray base paint sprayed with metallic blue waves. Dad even let me spray a bit. I used to drive a metallic blue Ford Capri. Then her big end fell off. A rattle appeared, Rust nibbled her carcass, and Dad said it was her time to go. Now, I'm no petrol head, but if wheeler dealers brought her back from the dead and had a few grand to spare, I'd be there like a shot. That yank of the choke, long deep throw of the gear stick, the heave of the windows and the non-powered steering, the blow of the exhaust and the click of the mileage, the stink of the ashtrays and the fish and chip Fridays. I'd pedal the metal down the back road to Maltby, elbow on the window, born to run on the cassette, going faster, going farther, going forever, nothing better. Cause it's just not the same in a white Ford Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I'm going to, all the rest of the poems, no more cars. This is about uh, my gypsy, Roma, traveller, heritage, ethnicity, identity. 
And this poem sums up all that in one fell swoop. I'm so pleased to be able to read this poem today because it actually placed in the Ledbury Poetry Competition three years ago, is it, I think now. And uh, of course, couldn't read it because of COVID. So it's, this is the day, well, I did read it online, I think, but it's nice to be able to read it for the first time here live. And in this poem, Avado is a horse-drawn caravan. Achintans means stopping place. A chore is to take. Gorgia folky are non-gypsy traveller folk. And the battle is the wind. Bloodlines. In the bloodlines, there's a hooped earring. In the bloodlines, there's an open avado door. Ransoms on the other side. Songs and seasons wave at you from the bloodlines. Achintans watch you fly. In the bloodlines, there's an acorn of swagger that inflates into a barrel wearing a vest. In the bloodlines, there is nothing to offer up to the old world except a pair of chamois booties, your past, their past. Bloodlines stare, bemused by the chant of tables, a company car, lunch. Bloodlines wheak slingshots at woodcock and snipe. Damp earth is a must as you lie with the bloodlines. Some scratch the name of the wind into elm with a crochet hook. Others chore lollipops from children. Bloodlines can't hear you, but they follow you in a handful of photographs and crumpled vowels. The shortening clay pipe. Gorgia folky. In the bloodlines, you make yourself make steamed pudding, then eat salad. In the bloodlines, there's a long blue thread. In the Lee and the Lanes, there must be someone who can tell me about the bloodlines, about the rhythm of your tongue, your flying fox glare, the need to set curtains ajar at night. What are you searching for in the darkness? Why are you? And yet it's the bloodlines that murmur on the barvel, bloodlines that understand the spell of a campfire, your attraction to gold. How if I shook my pale face from gullet to hairline, the world would turn scarlet and all that pours out will be road. Thank you. So now Sarah and I are going to read our poems from Wagtail, the anthology. And I'm going to read a poem called Shamanka. Now I've written a sequence of poems on the um, on Saint Sarah Kali. She's the patron saint of the gypsies. Um, basically, I've reimagined her in different settings and different places. Shamanka. It is hot. 
She places her bag of bones, feathers and clumps of earth onto the dusty pavement, sits in the heat of the afternoon sun. She remembers that other country, how she sat for three days and three nights with the bodies, knowing that her presence helped their souls to migrate. She rubs the bodies with red ochre soil, curls them into a fetal position into the grave, along with a few treasured possessions. She covers them with herbs and wildflowers, steps back chanting their names, bidding them farewell. She knows this ritual well. Three days, three nights, that's how long it takes. She picks up her bag. Everything she needs is inside. She travels lightly. Hovering like a kestrel, she waits to alight wherever she is summoned. And Shamanka is an ancient healer. So, um, yes, this was, um, this was the poem that was in the Roma Women's Am uh, Anthology, Poetry Anthology, which is actually the title poem on my book as well. I'm going to stay sat down now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, shelling peas with my grandmother in the Gorgia lands is a very long title. I should have maybe, next time it's going to be something short like it, I think. And the title is that idea of the Gorgia lands are the land of the gorgeous, the land of the settled people. And shelling peas was a, it's an idea of all, everybody sitting together, particularly women, getting the meal ready, you know, peeling potatoes and shelling peas and beans and all that kind of thing. And talking, 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 talking. Shelling peas with my grandmother in the Gorgia lands. Never be surprised what the gorgeous say. Never mention daddy juggled pennies on the back of a donkey. Never explain that Liza married the son of a king. Or how gentle Hugh received the monster posthumously. Don't point out the in-between places. Don't speak of your love for a deadwood fire and pretty wear, and how bare-knuckle fighting is as much a part of who you are as something they call class. Never tell anyone when the visions come that you collect dead women's earrings that you have always been frightened of water, except during a thunderstorm when you stand at the lane end and burn like a flame in a lantern. Never smoke a pipe until you're at least 10 and steer clear of them North Country folk with their hobcobble jib. Never go to the fields in your grubbers Wear a skirt and change behind a tree and never ever let the last next year pull peas quicker than you. Never kiss a lad, you'll get in the family way. And never get in the family way unless he'll do a runner with you. After he's to torch the bender, straw ticks, corrupt linen. Never allow juckles in the vado 
or boil shimmies with pudding cloths, or leave a wound to turn, rinse with your own water, or bind in a spider's web. Never chore what does not belong to you or God, and you'll do well, my girl, to be match and master both with your old fella. All us keep one boot on the ground. Tell your children, children, children's children, their blood names. And if one day you're in the company of gorgeous, mind when to leave the book of your mouth open, when to fold it into a crossed knife. Thank you. And this is a poem by Joe Clement, and it's called Inheritance. His sovereign rings splay my fingers like we're holding hands again. Back then I pressed them on my skin until they etched bloodless glyphs in my palms, signet circles, saints. Revenant horse heads bear the same teeth I cut mine on. Those diamonds, diamonds, diamonds. More talking. The Hedgehog's Tale. She said a true gypsy wears an earth-brown neckerchief dotted with box patterns so fine it flows like air through his wedding ring. She said a slope near a river is the best place to find a spring. Dig a hole Watch the sand settle, careful as you fill the kettle. She said you can feel rain coming by the weight of the wind and good scran is as close as a hedgerow and a fine tree. Spikes wrapped in clay and baked in a fire pit, sweet as a chestnut then ripped to suck the pith and juice and squeak. There are three words for hedgehog, hotchy witchy, hotchy and jog jog. This poem is called Hotchy Witchy. And um, if, if, if I can take you back to the days when the old um, Romanis would be roaming around in their wagons, in their vardas, they would be eating things like rabbit, shushi, and hedgehog, hotchy witchy. And I've never ever eaten hedgehog, but this is a fun poem. Hotchy witchy. To bake an hotchy witchy, roll it in the clay, drop it in the embers of the yog. Go and sing a song, chase a shushi down the drum, do a little jig, jog, jog. When the clay is open, the spines will come away. What's left is sweet and tasty. Chank it while it's hot, it may be all you got. Gorge your food, it's not. Chew your little jig, jog, jog. Chew your little jig, jog, jog. <laughs> And this is from Joe Clements, Outlandish, and it's called Giftos, or Giftos. Fleet of foot, 
He's of the same black line in my blood, the skim that can't settle. There beneath the hedgehog and the snake, he takes my grandfather's shape, crossing a river-like road. Where else could I find him but fording between fables? This pressed man steers me back, sudden as the tap of sovereigns on glass. Let him turn his cards again, the traveller who kippers my smoked, sorry, who kippers smoked my skin, the man who carried an apple from where? From where he came, he brought us brass, a horse head tacked to the wall to stop the look from failing keys a clutch would find themselves caught on his ear, like a whistle of a song or a pierced gold ring. Okay, so thank you. The next poem, um, my family, um, the Lanes and the Ripleys used to pick hops in Bishop's Groom, which is, is very close to Ledbury. And so I've been coming back for years revisiting the place and writing stories and poems and songs. And this poem is called The Table in the Hop Fields, Bishop's Room, Shirley's Tale, and is actually a hyben. We got to the hop fields just as the sun was coming up. We walked across the pooh, and there was our Aunt Amy pouring panny from the kettle into the big brown teapot. She covered the table with a white lace cloth and had laid out her best china crockery. Here you are, my girls. Come and have a bit of breakfast and a nice cup of mesky. My sister and I couldn't help but laugh. The table looked so funny in the middle of nowhere. Now listen here, we got to pick a lot of ops today. Yearn ourselves some poshes. We had to sit on a red check blanket, the grass still wet from the morning dew. She gave us bread, cheese, and a cup of sweet mesky. We looked up at all the obbin that she prepared for the oppers. Plates of bread and ham, cheese, pickles and funny shaped biscuits. She put her hands on her hips and looked around as if she was waiting for someone. Here he is, about time too. It was our Uncle Tommy, come all the way from Annas. I knew with him helping we picked loads of ox. He came striding across the pooh, a big smile on his face, his trilby hat on and his waistcoat all buttoned up. He always did look smart. Well, well, ain't this cushy, Amy? You made yourself at home, I see. What a lovely spread. It don't seem that long ago that we were on rations, Tom. And you know me, I do like a nice bit of grub. He kissed her cheeks, bent down, tickled us girls and made us giggle. One by one, the rest of our people joined us, wanting breakfast. They were just as amused at the sight of the table as me sister and me. We all knew that Aunt Amy liked to do her own thing. We never knew what the next thing might be. Hungry finches waiting for crumbs as we ate our grub. A bell rings. It's hopping time. <laughs> Okay, now I have the pleasure of reading Joe Clement's poem, which is called Cobb Song. 
Untethered from our travel, our tussled cushions, this tinker's tongue, I should not speak or write. This horseshoe is a home to hoof the earth, from stopping place to stopping place, pulling cargo in between. What keeps me now from horses? Paper houses? Once I was a foal, Delta Appleby, river warm, clean as gypsy linen. The horse they built a hearse for, buried lake deep, marked with stone. Won't you let a little air in, just a breath, handled by the trees, the breeze that bore the crow, or let a fiddle sing our name. They say like muddy shoes it will carry, but see how we press these petals, seeding as we pass. The stamp of horses broken at night. So there's just one last poem from me. So this poem is called The Ring, based on uh, my, one of my grandmother's rings, which I don't have. It went to my cousin. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> And the setting in this ring is actually called a gypsy setting. It's, a, a, it's actually a natural term. It's a bit like a bevel setting countersunk, so things don't get caught on it. In this poem, the shushi is a rabbit. You're probably getting all this now, you probably. <laughs> the shushi is a rabbit. <laughs> An open lot and Burton are types of bardos, which are horse-drawn caravans. Joey Gray is bacon and potato stew. A yog is a fire, like an open outside fire. Chockers are boots and shoes. Action tans are stopping places. And a gypsy setting is this particular ring. The ring. Imagine her hands snatching necks. Shushy skins pinned into borrowed earth. How she scrubs the gubbins from her garnet setting, flogs the pelts to furriers for a bob or two. That lift of soft fruit between finger and thumb. Peas, beans. How she buffs the harnesses in readiness for thorn horse fare. The Romany and Irish on the flash, the open lots and burtons in a horseshoe around a yog. Fiddlers, jigs on boards, the clack clack of spoons, Joey Gray on the wind, then spudding at Surlby. Through fields, lanes, cobbled brooks, Posting ragbills, hawking daffodils, how she grips her lad's hand as they do a runner to wed at Tinsley Church, and all as that sense of moving as one, the sky a hard master, drums snug as an old pair of chockers, carting castings at steel, peach and tozer, to tickle encampment hawking pots, to the hubbub of black patch, midwinter, to those wide flat hayfields around mizzen springs. How sometimes she only knows slack and air and her wits, the action tans, 
Foundry Lane, Great North Road, Gibbet Hill, Attercliffe. No half-dead frills, only her histories and the seasons, the earlies, the hoe, wheat stooks, mother's calling basket, wintering over rabbit skins parched to stiff tambours. Imagine this ring, my grandmother's ring, its gypsy setting, its golden eye burnished with all the jib and ancients it has worn thin. See here on my finger how it fits. Thank you. Another bird that um, my family and many Romani travellers um, liked here was the cuckoo, the cawing chiriclo. This is a triolet, cawing chiriclo. I've loved to hear the cuckoo sing. I'm a Romani, always travelling from Huntingdon to Kings Lynn. I've loved to hear the cuckoo sing since I was a chavvy in a sling. Summer, autumn, winter, our spring. I've loved to hear the cuckoo sing. I'm a Romani always traveling. Okay, so my book is called The Talking Stick, O Cookering Kosh, and it's based on an old English Romanichal ritual, whereby the elder of the family who was ill or dying would be holding one end, and the youngest in the family, a toddler or baby would be holding the other and it was said that the wisdom would be passed through the stick to the youngest and somebody like the head rom um, you know one of the elders of the family would come and, and administer this so this poem is called the puckering kosh the talking stick and it's written from it's a dramatic monologue it's written from a child's perspective me granda is dying we're packed tight inside the Varda. Dick at the old gyro, me cousin says. He ain't long for this world. Well, we all gin that. I'm crouching by the door when an old mush comes in, carrying a stick of blackthorn. Here's the puckering kosh, me granny says. She picks up the youngest, our Emily, and puts her on the bed. The old mush gives the kosh to me grandar, who can barely hold it. Me granny takes the chavis vast, and squeezes the other end of the cosh into her little fingers. Everyone is quiet. The mush sings a gilly. Well, it's more like diddling to me. Dilly dee, dilly dee, dilly dilly dee. My grandar lifts his head, smiles at Emily, then falls back with a gasp. No one moves. I'm holding me breath. The chavvy takes the cosh and waves it in the air. My granny says, that's right, our girl. We, Jim, what you're doing? She laughs, then rows. Then rows, one by one, they all rove until they're all at it, and I breathe out. I whispers to me cousin, come on, let's gel and play in the poos. We get out of that Varda quick sharp. We leave them to it. And the next poem is... Is, um, is based on the time when my mother um, from Middlesex, my Romany side of the family, met my father who was a gorger from the Welsh Valleys. A lot of the 
the miners um, used to come up and do hop picking in Bishop's Room and, and other, other places. And it's, um, it's a very important poem because I didn't actually know my dad. He died when I was a baby, but I like to sort of read this as a way of connecting them together. It's called Kamavtu. Mother was from Middlesex, father of the Welsh Valleys. He was a pole puller, she picked the hops. One Friday night, under a sickle of moonlight, they sat on a bench in front of the Green Dragon pub. The landlord had filled an old bath with beer. The hoppers were dipping their mugs into the frothy liquid, which dripped onto their bare chests. They were smiling as they wiped their mouths on the backs of their arms. Father and mother sat quietly holding hands. He leaned in close, was about to kiss her cheek, when a voice hollered from the darkness. Billy, gel on, let's get back to the Varda. It's me dad, she said. She jumped up, straightening her long skirt, then quickly turned and whispered, come out to Jimmy. He didn't know many Romany words, but this one, well, he just knew. And um, yeah, you, 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 I'm sure you get it, Kamavtu means I love you in, in the Romany jib. And this last poem is 28, and then I'm ending with a little gypsy lullaby for you, 28. And another one about a ritual um, of death. And this is based on Celia Lane, a great aunt of mine, who was always called in to wash the dead and prepare them for the sitting up, which our families used to do. They would sit up all night with tea and sandwiches and talk about the, the deceased. A song to rest the tired dead in memory of Celia Lane. It is dusk. She has come to wash the body. A table is set by the bed, a bowl of lavender water, clean muslin cloths, a white towel. Too young for death, she thinks, as she removes all the clothing and jewelry from the body of her niece. She notices stretch marks on the thighs, how the breasts have dropped from feeding the chavis. 40 years ago, just being born, sucking at a dyer's breast. Taking a cloth, she dips it in the water, squeezes it hard in her hand, sets about her task. Malts stand by the doorway, aunts, daughters, sisters and the dyer, singing in low, soft voices a song to rest the dead. She speaks quietly to her loved one as she gently cleans, lifting one arm up, then the other holding it, placing it down carefully as if it was made of glass. The others won't move too close. It is mockery to do so. This woman who washes the dead now holds both feet, letting them rest for a while, blessing them for all the miles they have trod the earth. She dresses her niece in the finest of clothes, combs her dark tangled hair, places the gold chain and earrings in the palm of the right hand, puts the wedding ring back on the third finger of the left hand, such small fingers, bending forward, kisses them. You are ready now, my girl, sov well. And the word sov means sleep. And I haven't sort of told you all the, the Romany words because I think some of you will probably sort of 
understand, understand them. And so I'm going to end now. I've written quite a few gypsy songs. Usually my husband Simon comes with me and he plays the keyboard or, or guitar, but he's, he's taking a break today. And so I'm going to end with um, a, a lullaby that a mother would have sang to her child in Nevado. I'll sing you a lullaby, my wild Romany chai. Then you must sleep, dream of shushi and gry. I'll sing you a lullaby, my beautiful chai. I'll cast a drama, how peaceful you'll lie. La 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 la, 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 la 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 la, la 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 la. I'll sing you a lullaby, my wild Romany chai. Then you must sleep, dream of shushi and gry. I'll sing you a lullaby, my beautiful chai. I'll cast a drama, how peaceful your life. We're going to have some sort of a chance to ask questions in a minute. Um, I'm going to kick off with a, just a few questions for our poets. Before we do, I was wondering, we filled up quite a lot during the course of the event. Could someone open the back door to give a bit of ventilation, please? One of the volunteers. Thank you. Um, at the beginning, I mentioned GRT, which is a phrase that's used as a kind of all-inclusive uh, term, uh, Gypsy Roma Traveller. I was wondering whether you could say what your personal links are with that, what elements of that are meaningful to you and your backgrounds. Okay, should, should I start, Sarah? Yeah, yeah okay. Um, so yes, I'm, I grew up with my um, Gypsy Traveller family and so I was sort of very much part of that culture um, for many years and um, my family had moved from from wagons. My mum was born in a wagon, Avada and my auntie, and they had moved into a brand new council house. There was this sort of scheme that, that, that you know, the council were trying to get people into houses. And so they had a brand new council house, which seemed massive to them, a three bedroom house. Um, so I was very fortunate to grow up, um, you know, with, with Gypsy Roma Traveller, culture, stories, singing. Uh, my father was uh, my grandfather played um, the spoons and the harmonica and the house was always filled with song and there were always people coming um, from various sort of walks of life. We come from flower sellers and horse dealers and there were always, um, you know, stories and songs and we'd have people playing the fiddle and my sister and I would dance for them and they would give me money. We call it poshes. Um, and so... I draw on that experience for my work. It's, I, I don't travel now, although in a way I was talking to Chloe saying that I seem to be going all over the country find, trying to find a home. So I am, I'm a little bit of a gypsy at the moment in that respect. 
But um, it really stood me in good stead. And I really began to understand um, what the culture, um, what, you know, what that life was like for them on the road. Many um, British gypsies were out on the road traveling around. And as we've seen over the years, many of them have moved into houses, Kens. And now, you know, we have this, um, we have this rule, it's the police bills just come into force so that travelers cannot roam the roads anymore. You know, it's, 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 well, don't get me onto that one, but mm -hmm. it's very different. And my family lived a very different life and they did travel the country. They did um, hot pick, fruit pick, apple pick. Um, my grandfather used to make pegs and little wagons and he would sell them. And when they moved into the house, it was very difficult for, for both of them actually. And um, so my, what my granny did was she said um, to my grandfather that she was going to go out and buy flowers and then she would sell the flowers along the road. And, and that, that's what her, her, her sort of her, her path was. She would be out walking the roads, talking to people, selling the flowers. And she was known in, in Hanworth, in Middlesex, as Amy, the flower seller. And that was one thing that kept her out of the house, in a sense, out doing what she loved doing, selling, selling the Luladi. So it's, yes, it's, it's quite a sad time for us now in this country. You know, the GRT community are finding it very hard to, to be out doing what they love to do. And... Um, Yes, it's, it's very, very different, but it's, it's meant a lot for me and it's something that I draw on for my work um, and for my writing, um, definitely, yes. Yeah, so, um, so, my, so I'm sort of a bit further removed than you were. You mm. grew up in that environment, but my grandmother um, was, grew up as a, as a gypsy, that was yeah, the word. Yeah and uh, married a coal miner. So she really went from one extreme to, to the other, whereas she was moving all around and then suddenly, bang, she was in a house. She hated it, hated living in a house. Mm. And uh, that is actually the first poem in the book. She just mm. could not stand being in this, this big vacuous place. Mm. Uh, so much so that her dad got her a caravan and they went and lived on the edge of the village for mm -hmm. a long time because she couldn't stand it. And she never really integrated into mm -hmm. the coal mining community because she wasn't from that community. Mm -hmm. She was from a different community. But the really wonderful thing is because my grandmother couldn't um, read and write, she just talked all the time. She just talked all the time. Never watched telly apart from the horse racing, of course. And... Uh, <laughs> So all this information, all this history was there all the time and it sort of stuck eventually. And I can trace my family without going on the genealogy sites just by the stories and the place that I grew up, you know, I can sort of go back almost 200 years. My family were traveling through there mm. and they were horse dealers, hawkers, especially mm. haberdashery, lace, yes. lace and haberdashery, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, what else did they do? Field working. Latterly, they did a lot of field working. Mm. They used to travel down to Black Patch. Has anybody heard from mm. about Black Patch? Which is not too far from here, is it? Mm. So, um, Black Patch was a big gypsy encampment on the edge of Birmingham mm. that uh, they used to sort of basically live on the on the on the uh, cinders, really, and yeah. make a living from all the scrappage that they found there and work in the uh, 
in the industries ad hoc. So that's, that's my background, really. And I think, Sarah, you know, they had to be really strong because they weren't sort of part of the community per se. They were always on the edge. And I think that's why I really have a lot of respect for my granny because she was a very strong woman. She sold flowers until she was in her 80s. And, you know, I grew up listening to the Romney language and, and really with, with her as a role model because she would literally do whatever she pleased. And although I'm not one for violence, but once she went into the pub, they called it the beer shop with my grandfather. And the woman was really horrible to her. She called her a jippo and she actually punched the woman in the face. Um, and it's, you know, it's a story in our family, you know, oh, don't get on the wrong side of, of, of granny um, because that's what she would do. Um, and I think it, it was important in those days to be strong and to, you know, even for children, my cousins going to school were often called jippos and names. And um, it, was, it was hard. You had, to, you had to sort of have this tough toughness about you to sort of get through it it's very different now and you know people like joe and um, many of the other sort of grt campaigners are sort of really putting that across um, that we we need our place in 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 life in 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 you know in this country we need we need to define who we are over and over um, so yeah very very interesting going back and mm. listening to sarah and I'm remembering my sort of upbringing, yes. Because the important thing is, it's not just my heritage and yours, it's all our heritage. It's part of British society. Yes. These people, these, you know, our, this community, our community has been here for hundreds, centuries, yeah. probably longer than we actually know. Yeah, because exactly. it's very difficult to pin that down. Exactly, it? yes. And, you know, when you, you think about the language, which actually came from India, you know, it's based on Sanskrit, Gujarati and Hindi. So a lot of, um, I've done readings where I've had um, Asian community in the audience, they've come up to me afterwards and they've said, oh, we know that word pani, we know that word gel, um, we know that word chokas, meaning shoes. And it's so interesting to see how that language sort of, you know, moved and was assimilated into different societies and cultures. It's, it's a fascinating, we have a fascinating history and you, you can never stop learning about it. And you know, there's, there's, there's much more work than I've done here. There's, there's so much to explore and, and bring our Romani culture to the, to the front, definitely. I'd like to butt in at this point. Um, jo Clement was on Start the Week a couple of weeks ago, mm. and she read this poem called Self-Portrait as a Hundred Travellers. And there's a note to it here. In 2003, the Furl Bonfire Society in Sussex paraded an effigy of a caravan bearing the registration plate P-I-K-E-Y, so it's spelled Pikey. And slogans, fair and as you likey driveways. Then they publicly set it alight. A traveler family with young children were prominently painted on the caravan windows. Mm -hmm. At the request of the Commission for Racial Equality, the society apologized for what it said was emphatically not a racist comment. And then on, um, on um, what's it called, the... Uh, that drive program on television, the car program. Top Gear. Oh, Top, Top, Gear, Gear. Yeah. Top Gear, they actually mm. had an Aston Martin with the number plate P-I-K-E-Y. Mm. Um, so I'd just like to read this poem by Joe, give her a word in here. Mm. Self-portrait as a hundred travellers. Here, no good, nomad, Roma, rover, rom, dom, rye, raider, reaver, truant, turnpike, trash, tatter, tinner, tinker, toad, trickster, 
Tinsmith, Tarmacker, Ota, Tealeaf, Peddler, Potter, King, Cuckoo, Knot, Outlaw, Trespasser, Straw Hat, Scrapper, Johnny, Far, Moonman, Fly, Pitter, Flitter, Migrant, Sharper, Harper, Dipper, Sleeper, Soothsayer, Heathcliff, Hawker, Knacker, Clogger, Lock, Idler, Thief, Jailbird, Lovell, Boswell, Leal, Lee, Wagon Carried, Wayfarer, Crooked, Filthy, Floater, Vagrant, Vermin, Band, Muse, Wanderer, Journeyer, Vagabond, Smith, Gadabout, Me, Flashy, Scum, Will o' the Wisp, Lowlife, Rambler, Pathfinder, Drifter, Carney, Chav, Dog, Dregs, Carmen, Maggie, Meg, Dove, Ratter, Pilgrim, Peddler, Seer, Witch, Rabble, Raggle Taggle, Rag and Bone, Gitano, Egyptian, Giprat, Gypsy, Gypsy, Gippo, Pikey, Gone. Wow. But perhaps at this point we could open things up to the audience. <laughs> Anyone's got any questions? There is a roving mic. Uh, gentleman at the back, we've got a couple of questions here. Uh, gentleman at the back first. Can you tell me something what you know as Do you know the gypsy switch? I don't know what the gypsy switch is. What, well, that's the name of this journey. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, it was last uh, done in 1903. Really? Yeah. I'd, I'd like to find out more about that afterwards. Well, I if, went on, but I'm not yeah. Sorry. But I'd be interested to know. Well, I'd, yeah, I'd like to know more about yeah. that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've not heard of it. Yeah. 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 A so, question sorry. from a lady at the front here. A gentleman, sorry, I can't see properly. <laughs> New age travellers. No, no. But so, in, in, traveller is just a generic term. For I could answer that. Yeah, you, Because yeah. I come from Yorkshire. So you've got West Yorkshire, South Yorkshire, North Yorkshire, and all that East Riding thing going on down there. And that is a bit like being Gypsy Roma traveller. That is the sort of um, you know Yorkshire is Yorkshire people are connected by that big county they are from the same place and gypsies are very similar I think in that way they come from different places but they are they are people of the road mm. so were you were you sort of wondering about the new age travelers as well not I wouldn't Not say new age travellers. They've, they've taken on the name, haven't they? Yeah, they've yeah. taken on the name, but it's very different. It's, it's very different from Gypsy Roma Traveller. So my grandfather was always, his family were always considered true gypsies, 
And I think that was because they always were on the road. They lived on the road. With my granny, her father bought land. And so they were often called um, travellers, but they were still gypsy travellers. But it, it's within that community, they sort of had different, you know, when you go into the community, there, there are differences. Some people buy their own land and settle, but still have the wagons around them. Other people, like my grandfather, who actually used to live near the the Black Patch many years ago, um, and then in the East End um, were, were called, called gypsies, but definitely not the New Age travellers. And I think there's quite a lot of controversy about, about the, that, that whole sort of thing, yes. Um, some people don't and portrayal, like, yeah. Some people don't like to be called gypsy, do they? Because it's been no, used some people so don't. in such a derogatory way in the past. Yeah, exactly. I, I, so, do, I like to be called gypsy, but a lot of people don't. And in America, the word gypsy isn't often used. No, it's really... Um, they speak Calderash in America, and they're very against this word yeah. gypsy. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a question in the middle here. Um, about half the poems in the, uh, in the anthology are angry and sorrowful <laughs> about the legacy of persecution. Um, the other half is celebratory of tradition and language and culture, but as you as you reference Sarah in uh, Shelling Peas, that was a, a secret uh, culture and a secret language, and yet here you are publishing, putting it in front of people. Is, is that a big decision? Is it a big uh, a big step for you to take, or, or does it just feel like a good time? Is that, is that to both of us, or? Yeah, what do you think, Sarah? I, I've got um, yeah. It is, and I think um, it's quite a big thing for me to, you know, I've been writing about this stuff for quite a long time and it's sort of come out gradually because I was always kind of brought up not to talk about it. And I think that's uh, true in the anthology in that a lot of people were kind of brought up like that. It's a way of uh, people who want to protect themselves in a way because there's always been so much prejudice against that community. So, um, but I've so, you sort of get to an age where you think, oh, I don't care anymore. I'm just, you know, and it's part of something I write about because I find it really interesting. The language is interesting. And I want to celebrate it as well because I think it's an extraordinary culture. And I really find it difficult to understand sometimes why in this country it's not celebrated more. You know, it's, um, it's such a special part of British history going back, you know, a long way and why the establishment just seems to be mm. determined to stamp it out. And uh, if you just think about, you know, Native Americans, that kind of angle, why can't we just support them more and try and be more inclusive mm. without, you know, just, I, I don't understand it myself. So that, mm. I don't know if that answers your question, sorry. Thank yeah, you. I, I, I sort of agree with what, what Sarah has said. And, you know, I'm in my 60s now and it's taken me a very long time to write about it and to write it in the Romani language. Um, there's always a little bit of trepidation when I start to write in the Romani language. And, you know, in my collection, there's a song that I actually wrote in Romani before I actually translated it into English because I was experimenting with the language. I was actually just using beautiful Romani words and, and then and then putting this sort of tune to them. Um, 
And it felt like, it, like, like I was discovering something in that. And I think for me, it's part of my personal growth and development as a woman and as a GRT woman. And, um, you know, maybe going back, some of my family might not have approved of me writing about it and using the language, maybe, but probably a lot of them would, would be really happy that I'm doing it. And like Sarah said, it is a celebration and it's a way of bringing this out. You know, we all write about different things, don't we? We've all got different agendas and this is part of, of my path. And, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful culture and I do want, want to share it. But, but you're right, touching on that, it, there is this sort of dichotomy there. And I think it's really interesting you brought that up, actually, because mm. it is important to, to acknowledge that for some people. And there are still some people that will, will not want to, a lot of, you know, Romani travellers will not want other gorgeous to hear their, what they're saying. And, and they will not want them to, to learn the language. So there is that too. Um, and as Sarah was saying, it would be really really wonderful if if the culture could be more more accepted and also you know people's ideas and prejudice you know a lot of people think that all gypsy romanis are sort of thieves or vandals or or they always leave rubbish in in the fields it's just not true you know there are some like like we, we all have communities where we will have a, a rough family living there or a neighbor that doesn't comply and fills their, their garden up with old fridges and things. But, you know, it's just not true. And Damien Labar has done a lot of this on radio and TV talking about this very issue. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I'm afraid we've got to wind up now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should also be mentioned, of course, that tens of thousands of gypsies were massacred by the Nazis along with the Jews. So they have been a persecuted ethnic group. And now they're getting, in a way, more recognition yes. through the kinds of things that have been happening with, with the GRT community actually getting out there and speaking for itself Absolutely, through yeah. literature yeah. and through yeah. films, yeah. through um, you know, Damien Labasse's work yes. and so on. Yes. And it's a very important thing, yes. I think, that's and, happening. And I'd just like to say, in the, the very last poem in my book is dedicated to, it's called The Gypsy Camp at Auschwitz, and it's based on the true facts. And... Um, Yes, it's, it's in the book, because I felt I had to write something about that theme, too. Yeah. So would you please thank Rain and Sarah and uh, Joe Clement in absentia?